0: In fact, he's listed in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the men that is listed as being uncommon. We think about him as displaying like Hercules kind of force, maybe being a bodybuilder. But the truth of the matter is there's nothing in the Bible that makes us believe that Samson looked different than anybody else. There was nothing about him that had big muscles. He didn't have a six-pack necessarily. He didn't have big guns. But he had strength. And I want to take you to that narrative and let's talk about it for just a few minutes. The Bible says in Judges chapter 16, verse number four through six, it said, sometimes later, it's talking about Samson, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing, watch this, into showing you the secret of his great strength how we can then overpower him we can tie him up and we can subdue him and each one of us will give you 1100 shekels of silver so delilah said to samson watch this word watch this tell me the secret of your great strength can i can i ask you the question today what is the secret of your great strength. See, when, when Admiral McRaven was talking, the Navy was testing those men, young men and young women, to find out what kind of strength they had physically, emotionally, mentally. But guess what? We're in a battle today that's not bullets and bombs. We're in a battle today that's for the family you live in, the marriage you have, the kids you raise, the business you lead. And your business may not be coming under an attack with bullets and bombs and all kinds of weaponry, but you have an adversary who has targeted you and he targets you with such things as anxiety, pressure, frustration, anger, overwhelmingness. And he's trying to test and see, is there any kinks in your armor? Because what he's looking for, watch this, you look like everybody else. You don't, you don't necessarily demonstrate the fact that you've got big guns or six-packs or you're some kind of unusual person. You look like the guy to death sitting next to you. Or you look like everybody else standing in the grocery store. But why aren't you falling apart? Why aren't you throwing in your hands and ringing the bell? What's the secret of your great strength? It's interesting, he was in the valley of Sorek, Sorek. The word Sorek means fertile or a fruitful place. It was a kind of tree that grew in the the uh, plains in Israel. And it bore fruit that was like berries. So literally, watch this. Samson is in a place of great potential. He has the potential to be fruitful, to be productive, to be successful to see life become everything he dreamed for it to be. But in his Valley of Sorek, he was in relationship with a woman named Delilah. Now I wanna say something about Delilah because Delilah's sometimes gotten a bad rap. There's nothing in the Bible that ever says that Delilah went to him to say, I want sexual favors. There's nothing in the Bible to ever indicate that he was looking for romance even though he fell in love with her, there's nothing about their physical attraction here. What we do know is that the name Delilah means this. It means to diminish, to lessen, to reduce, to impoverish. I wonder how many people listening to my voice today can recognize I'm in a place of incredible potential but I'm in relationship with some stuff that keeps diminishing my life. It keeps robbing me of who I really am supposed to be. Maybe, maybe I really do have the potential to own my own business. Maybe I really can finish college and be the first one in my family to ever get a degree. Maybe I really can be the first high school senior to graduate without having given my virginity away and given my integrity away. But I'm in relationship with somebody or something that keeps trying to take me in my place of potential and diminish me, impoverish me. And the reason she wanted to do it was she knew he had strength that she didn't know where it came from. So she kept asking him, tell me the source of your strength. Maybe today, part of what's trying to diminish you is somebody you trusted, betrayed you. Maybe it wasn't a girlfriend or boyfriend. Maybe it was just somebody that abandoned you. You thought they was going to be there, and they're not there. Could it be that maybe all of us face this at some time or another? Maybe I was just goofing off and letting my hair down. And I was just trying to enjoy the day, and somebody took advantage of it and used it to diminish my reputation with other people because the key today for all of us in this room is where's the source of my strength see what happens, when a, what happens when a virus comes that I can't control, I don't have anything to do with it but it somehow can sure diminish our lives if we don't know where our strength is And because of his inordinate relationship with her, she kept searching. I'm trying to get to your strength. Can I tell you what happened this week for some people? Some people this week, they may have cooked more than they've ever cooked. They may have cleaned house more than they've ever cleaned, done yard work. But internally, internally, they felt that pressure to be diminished. I'm not at work. I'm not sure what the future holds. I'm in this house with kids I'm not used to being in my house with all day long. I'm in my house with my husband, a wife I'm not used to being with all day long. And life has a way of trying to diminish you, but you have a secret source of strength. That's what's so powerful today. The Bible says this, watch this. There's two things that come out when she says, tell me the secret to your great strength. There's two things that's obvious in that. Number one, number one is Samson knew where his source of strength was. He wasn't guessing. He knew where it was. And number two, it was obvious that she didn't know where it was. Can I tell you something? You can work with people who can see your strength but not know where it comes from. You can hang out with friends who can see your strength but have no clue where it comes from. So they have to ask, how is it? That's why in this moment, if you're a believer and a follower of Christ, there's never been a greater time for you to live your faith and to live as a witness to the goodness of our God than the moments we're living in. Because what happens is, is people say, I can see your strength. I just don't know where it came from. Tell me where it came from. There's another passage that intrigues me because the prophet Isaiah writes to a whole group of people who were actually under the assault of a nation called Assyria. In other words, they were in very, very difficult times. And several things are very common to ours today. They were locked down. They were in fear. They didn't know what the future holds. They looked like they were gonna be invaded. And here's what Isaiah writes to them in Isaiah chapter 28, verse number five and six. I I want you to hear this because this passage this week just came alive in me. Here's what Isaiah said to them. In that day, somebody say that day. In that day, the Lord Almighty will be a glorious crown and a beautiful wreath for the remnant of his people. He will be a spirit of justice to the one who sits in judgment and a source of strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. What day? What is that day? He said in that day, in the day of distress, in the day of viruses, in the day of not knowing what the future is going to be like, in the day when you feel like you've been pressed on every side. In that day, Here's the key, ladies and gentlemen. The Lord Almighty. <laughs> not just any God. Not a God you got to prop up. But the God who can hold himself up and hold you up at the same time. The Lord Almighty. Here's what it says. He's going to do two things. He says, I'll be a crown of glory and I'll be a, a wreath, a beautiful wreath for the remnant of my people. What does that mean? The crown of glory and the remnant the the beautiful wreath was what was given to conquerors when they would return back home after conquering territory they they were winners they had won the battle they had overcome they would come and the, the conquering general they would put a wreath on his head or a crown on his head and he would lead the parade of victory As they march through the streets. And here's what God's saying to you and I today. When you're at your most overwhelmed point, And when you feel like you can't take it anymore and you want to ring the bell. You need to recognize that I, God, will stand up on the inside of you. And I will cause you to live as an overcomer. I'm going to put a crown of a winner on your head. And I'm going to give you the wreath of somebody who came through the fire and didn't smell like smoke. Because I'm going to be almighty in the midst of your life. He said, I'll give you a a glorious crown and a beautiful wreath. Here's the key word, to the remnant of my people. He was talking about Judah, but can I say this to you today? God's always going to have a remnant. You say, Bishop, what are you talking about? I don't don't know that word remnant. What does that mean? here's Here's what it means to you and I. After everything you thought you lost... There's always still something left. <laughs> you you saw everybody that walked away, but you not see who's still who's left. There's something left. God always leaves something. Hallelujah. There's always a remnant. No matter how dark the day, there's always a little bit of light. In every office, in every city, in every generation, God always has a remnant. There's always a little bit of oil left in the house when you're starving to death. There's always a little boy somewhere with a lunch when everybody else has run out of food. There is always going to be a remnant. Gideon? If thousands have left, there'll still be 300 left because I'll always have a remnant. And I came to tell somebody today, he's going to bless what you have left and cause it to be enough to make you a winner. Oh, I feel victorious today. So that, you know what that means? You say, Bishop, what does that mean to me? What does that mean to me? That means stop weeping over what you don't have. Stop weeping over the fact that the stock market dropped 9,000 points. What you got left? I, I dare somebody that's watching me right now, you need to shout over the friends you got left. Not the ones who, who betrayed you. I'm talking, shout about the ones you got left. Don't, don't, don't. Cry over what you don't have. Shout over the strength you got left. If you got up this morning and turned on your device so you could watch me, you had something left. If you didn't have anything left, you would have you would have left your device off and went on about your day and thought it was hopeless. But somebody is listening to my voice today, and God is about to bless the remnant. Ah, somebody's got to help me. I need. I feel like when I feel like I haven't got anything left. When you don't think you got any time left, there's still a little bit of time. God's going to bless what time you got left. Somebody, you need to hear that. He's talking to you right now. You think time's up, but the Holy Spirit sent me today to tell you I'm going to bless what you have left. Because Almighty God's gonna show up in your life. He said, and here's what I'll be I'll be a spirit of justice to them who sit in judgment, and I'll be a source of strength to them who turn back the battle at the gate. Let me explain that real quickly. When I studied this, actually, I thought those were two different things. I thought He'll be a spirit of justice to those who sit in judgment, and He'll be a source of strength to those who turn back the battle. But I found out they weren't two different things. He was talking about two attributes of the same thing. Because the spirit of justice that sits in judgment, he literally says this, when you come to a place in your life when you have to discern what's right or wrong, I'm going to give you the discerning of the Lord when you're in those moments. Because, see, really, God doesn't live in right and wrong. God lives in life and death. And he says, so when you're put in a place where you have to judge between life and death, I'm going to give you the spirit of justice. I'm going to give you a sense of discerning so that you'll know what to do. Because, listen to me, the spirit of justice speaks to the standards by which we live. Speaks to the standards by which we live. When, when, Joe's an engineer. When 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 you draw lines, when you build things, you got to have something that is a standard. That's when the old guys used to use a plumb line. They'd hang a plumb line, and then they'd draw the walls out from there. Because here's what happens: when you got something that's unchangeable, you can build anything around it. But if whatever you're trying to build from is constantly changing, you don't get anything built. And here's what happens: watch this. The spirit of justice deals with the standards of our life and the spirit of strength deals with how we stand up in the middle of our battles and have strength to overcome. So here's what he's saying to them. He's saying, if you will let me be the source of your standards, then I can be the source of your strength. How can you expect God to be the source of your strength if you let something else be the source of your standards? You can't let culture be the source of your standards and then believe God's going to be the source of your strength. You can't let your friends determine how you discern between life and death and then constantly believe that God will strengthen you in the day of battle. So he's saying this, you want to be an overcomer? You want to wear the wreath? You want to wear the crown? You, you want me to bring you out of this? and recognize that almighty God needs to be the source of my standards and the source of my strength. You know what? I I, I ran into a guy, it wasn't long ago, and he said to me, he said, Bishop, I sort of of just set my own standards. I I live by, I live, you know, it's sort of like the song that, that some very famous people sang throughout their life. I did it my way. And I looked at him, I'll never forget what I said. I said, you know what? I I, I congratulate you because I'm not that strong. I don't trust myself enough to do that. I need a God who's bigger than I am. I need a god who's wiser than i am i need a god who's been around longer than i've been around i need a god who's seen this before i ever saw it i need a god who can see around the corners i can't see around i can't make decisions for what i don't know but i need an all-seeing god who sees tomorrow before i'm ever in it and can help me make decisions today that will affect my tomorrow i want him to be the standard of my life if he's the source of my discerning Then he can be the source of my strength. Whew. I refuse to be standardized by the culture I live in. I refuse to let the world standardize the church. They want to they want to standardize, they want to reduce us to the lowest common denominator and make us a political subgroup. They want to denominationalize us and make us say, This is the only thing you can believe because this is what your denomination believes. Can I tell you something? none of that, no political affiliation, no denomination, no clique I hang out in is going to be the source of my discernment. I'm going to discern how to make judgments about my life from the one who sees it all. And I can trust him. Listen to me closely, I'm almost finished. Somebody said, well, you think you're better than us, don't you? No, no, I really don't. I don't think I'm better than my neighbors. I don't think I'm better than anybody in Oklahoma City. But I do believe I'm different. Because God gave me an opportunity to be uncommon. I don't have to be fearful. I don't have to be ringing the bell to get out of here. Because I know even what the Admiral said, even in the chilly waters of a night swim I know where my strength comes from so I want to say today to every family listen to me raise your standards I want to talk to some daddies raise your standards do you know what it says I'm almost finished you got to hear this though he said he's the source of strength to those who turn back the battle in the gates In, in the cities watch this because this is very important and I'm almost done in the cities of that day, there was an outer wall. If you've never been to Israel, you, you may not see this. But if you want to go to Israel, you can go with me next year. There's an outer wall. Then there's a courtyard or a hallway or a pathway. And then there's an inner wall. And it's between the outer wall and the inner wall of the city is where the elders would sit. That's where decisions would be made. They would make them in the gates between the two gates of the city. Because even if the outer gate got penetrated, the inner gate could still withstand the battle. But the warfare, the contracts, the covenants, the decisions were made in between the gates. And here's what Isaiah is saying. He's saying God wants to give you enough wisdom so that you don't have to let fear get all the way in your house. You can turn the battle back at the gates. Oh, wait a minute. You don't go here. Addiction, you can't get in my house to my kids because I'm going to fight you right here in the gates. I'm not letting you come any further because as the leader of my house, I'm making some decisions. That spirit's not coming in here. He said, I give you strength to turn back the battle in the gates. So I close. King David is so, so well known so well respected we, we, we really mostly talk about his life from first Samuel when he's killing Goliath and writing Psalms and worshiping being made a king but there's a passage in second Samuel chapter 18 where he has a son named Absalom Absalom's a good-looking guy He's got long flowing locks of hair. And David had some trouble in his house. His his son actually raped his his daughter, his half-sister. It was David's daughter, but his half-sister. Ammon raped his sister. And David didn't even correct him. It was like David wanted to vacate his seat in the gate. Because see, there comes a time when life has just got so much going on, you're like, I don't want to take responsibility for that. I'm, it's too much. And so he never dealt with Ammon. So Absalom rose up and killed his brother. And then for four years, he stood in the gate of the city. And every time people would come to ask the king for something, Absalom would stand there and tell him, well, I'm not the king. If I was the king, I would do something good for you, but the king's got to make that decision. And it was like David was absent. And finally, Absalom was taking the kingdom from him. His own son was taking the kingdom from him. And as he was riding out of the city one day in in the midst of a battle, the Bible says he rode and he was running under a tree and his horse going up and down and his hair caught in the limbs of a tree and his hair snatched him up out of his saddle and he's hanging in the tree by his hair the thing that made him notable also made him vulnerable his good looks that gave him notoriety also gave him vulnerability his hair hung him and when he was hanging in the tree joab David's commander rode by and the Bible says he's thrust him through multiple times with a sword. And he came back to tell David that Absalom was dead. And when news reached David that Absalom was dead, David started weeping. He begins to weep uncontrollably. He's like, I can't stand it. And the reason he was weeping is not so much just for his son. He was weeping over the fact that he felt guilty because he had let Absalom get to that point. Absalom needed correcting but David wouldn't take his place in correcting. He wouldn't deal with the thing that was diminishing him. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 19 that Joab walks into the king's chamber and says to him today you've humiliated your men. You've humiliated the whole army because you weep over a man who hated you and you ignore the very people who are for you. And he said, King, I'm going to tell you this. If you don't get back in the gates by this time at midnight, you won't have any army left. Your strength will be gone if you don't get back in the gate. The Bible says that David got up from his weeping chair he went back and he sat in the gate of the city and when he got to the gates of the city the Bible says his whole army came to him to be for him you say bishop what are you saying I'm saying all it takes is you to get back in your seat take responsibility for what's been diminishing your strength When David got back in the gates of the city, all the strength he needed to lead the nation, the army came to him. I'm prophesying to somebody listening to me. If you'll get back in the gates of your life, if you'll stand between the places where the enemy wants to battle you, if you'll take your place, mamas, get in the gates of your city you're homeschooling kids and trying to take care of everything going on, work from home at the same time, don't vacate your seat at the gate of the city and say, I'm too busy right now to be dealing. I don't want to deal with that stuff. It's too much of a distraction. Don't let your responsibility go just because you're under pressure. Get in the gates of your city. And when you do, you'll find out that everything you need to be strengthened will come to you. Philippians 4.13 says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens." me. Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 6 verse number 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and he said be strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking to somebody today. I'm about to pray with you. God says be strengthened by my power just get in the gate Let me live through you. I don't know what it is you may have let go. I don't know what pressures you may have said, this is too much. But I came today to be a voice to you to say, don't ring that bell. Don't you check out. Don't you say, this marriage is too much. Don't you say, in this moment of trial, I'm going to throw my faith away. He will be to you a source of your standards and a source of your strength. I want to pray for you. If you're watching me today and you don't know Jesus personally, I want you to go right on that chat line right now and say, I don't have that strength. I don't have that relationship with him, but I want to have that relationship with him. Because it begins by having a personal relationship with Jesus. If you'll go on whatever means you're watching me by, and you'll let them know, I need Jesus personally in my life, somebody's going to talk to you about how that can happen. For all of you that are followers of Christ, but you feel like you've been tempted to ring the bell this week, I need you to just put on there, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. I believe the chat line is lighting up all over the place. Just say, pray for me, Bishop. I I don't need to ring the bell. I'm not going to ring the bell at my house. My house, I'm going to stand in the gates. I I may feel like I'm being pulled in every direction, but he'll strengthen me if I get in the gate. Father, I pray today for every person that's watching me, and I thank you that you are going to be the Lord God Almighty. That as they get in their seat in the gate, everything they need is coming to them. As we take our place in you, the Bible says we're seated with you in heavenly places, so we're going to get in our seat. And when we get in our seat, strength is coming into us. Victory is coming to us. I break the power of Delilah off your life. The very thing, not, not a woman, but a spirit that seeks to diminish you in your land of fruitful potential. And I release grace to you today that God is standing up on the inside of your life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now listen, 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 listen. If you have never been a part of anything here, I want to I wanna respond to you this week. If you'll send me an email address somewhere, put on there. Here's a way you can can get in touch with me. Go into a private chat. Go to our website at thegatechurch.tv. Send me an email. Say, I prayed with Bishop. I'll respond to you with words that will encourage you.